And 2017 gives you this new hope, this new glimmer, that things could be different, things could be better this year. I know I'm excited about that. Shell and I, we had lunch with some friends of ours last week. We were on leave, and they came around, and we did some croissants, and we did bacon and eggs. There was some Nutella. It wasn't the healthiest breakfast, and there was a lot to eat. And at the end of it, I was talking to them. I was like, guys, we've been eating so much over Christmas, so so unhealthily, so much chocolate, all of that stuff. The 1st of January, everything needs to change. And Shell looked at me, and she went, Ron, it's the 3rd of January already. (laughs) So I don't know if you're doing well at your New Year's resolutions, if you started the year well, but I'm going to speak about some of those things today. I've got a passage I want to go through, some points I want to touch on, and I think some new practices for us to, um, I guess, take hold of as a community. So if you've got a Bible with you, can you turn to Luke 10, verse 38, and follow, or if you don't, you can follow along on the screen just behind me. But maybe while you turn there, we're going to be doing a big preaching series through the uh, Gospel of Luke starting in the month of February. So this is maybe to whet your appetite a bit. It's called The Way of Jesus. We've put a lot of prep and effort and thought into the series. We're really excited because we've said our vision as a church is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And as we go through that on Sundays and life groups, reading through it individually, you know, as we spend time with God, we want to get to know the Gospel of Luke better, but we want to get to know Jesus better. For some of you, it'll be uh, getting to know him for the first time. For others, just getting to know him and his ways more and more and more. And we want to begin to follow him and become more like him as a church. So we're excited for that. And then next week, we're going to be starting a three-part series called Double Take Durban. Isn't this a cool brand? I'll tell you a little bit more about where this comes from next week. But we're going to spend three weeks looking at the context of our discipleship. We follow Jesus in Durban. So we're going to spend a week looking at the city we live in. We're going to spend a week looking at loving our neighbors in the city. And we're going to spend a week looking at serving the city together. I think it's going to be a really, really good uh, series for us. The pie chart's a little bit early, but that Double Take Durban series is what we're going to be starting with. So if you're there in Luke 10, we're reading from verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do, not, uh, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. At the beginning of the new year, there are probably a lot of things that we could discuss this morning. We could probably talk about Thanksgiving. Someone said that this week, and I thought that would be a great topic, you know, to thank God for the year that has passed and to thank God in advance for the year that's to come. Or maybe to talk about change, second chances, grace, um, how we put these new habits or these new resolutions into place. Or maybe it's a time to celebrate and just celebrate God, celebrate what He's done, celebrate what He's doing and what He's wanting to do into the future. But this passage that I've chosen or that I think God's given me for today is a passage about distraction and about devotion. So I want to spend our time together this morning at the beginning of this year looking at those two big ideas. So let's start with distraction. Martha is this woman living in a town who sees Jesus come into the town, and she gets excited. She invites him, says, come into my home. I'd love to make you a meal. I'd love you to spend some time in my home. I'd love to get to know you. Imagine that possibility. I'm sure for many of us, the thought of having Jesus in our home with just a few people, 
and getting him to teach kind of like a life group situation, getting to ask him questions, just spend time with him, see what he is like, would be like this incredible highlight for any of us. And Martha grabs hold of it. She invites Jesus in and he comes into the home and then she starts getting everything ready and she realizes she's in over her head. She's got too much to do and she starts to run around like this chicken that's lost its head. Martha is in the kitchen and she's cooking and then she's setting the table and then she's pouring everyone a drink and she's taking dishes through and she's washing them and she's making sure everything's perfect and that the snacks are refilled and all of those things. And while Jesus is teaching, she is running wild and she realizes she's way in over her head and she should have asked someone to help her and she gets stressed out. Martha has taken on too much. And I thought maybe I'd stop there for a second and ask some of us, in 2016, did you take on too much? In 2016, did you say yes to too many things or too many people and run yourself a little bit ragged and almost burn out? Don't know if there's anyone in this room who can relate when Martha is described as distracted, anxious, and troubled with many things. Can you maybe raise your hand if that even slightly describes your 2016? Come on, be bold and brave. It's pretty much most of us in this room, and some of you are dirty liars, so <laughs> that's fine. It seems like our world has sped up and become more busy. I think we've talked about that before in this church, that when we say, how are you doing? Often what we do is we say, I'm busy. You know, that's like the accepted answer now. You don't say, I'm fine, or life is tough, or oh, things are okay. We say, I'm busy, and people expect that. And I think even more so in a city, maybe not a city like Durban, but in most cities around the world, it feels like the fast forward button is just stuck down the whole time. And life is just crazy. There's so much happening. There's so many things that we can do and can be a part of. We can just actually do way, way too much. But the question is, how does all of this busyness affect our relationship with God? How does all of the stuff that fills our minds and our hearts affect our relationship with God? And I was on Facebook this week, and I saw a friend of mine, he's a pastor named Schlanger, posted this article by the Christian Post entitled, Christians Worldwide, Too Busy for God. And they did this survey over five years with 20,000 Christians raging in age from 15 to 88, and they asked them this question, are you too busy for God? This is done in 139 different countries, so this isn't just us. Six out of 10 of the people or 60% of the people said that the busyness of life gets in the way of their developing their relationship with God. It's like the pace and activity level of our lives is just too much for us. And in the busyness of all we do and try and do, we don't get to spend enough time with Jesus, we don't think enough about Him, pray enough to Him, worship Him, enjoy Him enough. And you know what's happening? God is becoming marginal to our lives. We're spending less time with Him. We're becoming more and more shaped by the world that is around us. And we don't know what He is like, what His ways are like, and what He calls us to. Something needs to change. And in this passage, Luke talks about busyness here. And he tells us that Martha is busy and that she's distracted. But we see that Martha is even distracted with good things. It's not just the bad things that get us. It's the good things too. Martha's distracted serving Jesus. She's too busy with Christian activities or busyness or ministries. She's too involved in church for her own good. She's devoted, she's committed, she's working hard for God. And I read this tweet probably about four months ago, and this person said, describing 2016, that it's been a year of disasters and distraction. 
And I thought that was so true. We talk a lot about the disasters or the big things in 2016 going on around the world. So political things, economic things, financial things. We talk about terrorism and violence and some of the massive things going on around our world, injustices, tragedies, wars, all of that. And that is big, macro level affects our lives. But I think sometimes we are in danger because we skim over the small things, the little distractions which avert our glance and change what we are focusing our lives on. Those distractions are dangerous. And on New Year's Eve, I was sitting with a friend. I had fun on New Year's Eve. It wasn't like an intense night. But I was sitting with a friend, and we were just talking about the year. And he was talking about busyness. And he was saying, Grant, you know what? He's a little bit older than me. He's part of the church in Pine Town. And he said to me, Grant, you know what? We're, we're busy. Him and his wife are both teachers. And he was saying, you know, for us, we get up early. We've got to be at school by seven. And we teach for the day. It's intense. We do sports in the afternoon. And we get home, and it's pretty much two hours of marking every night. If we don't do the marking, then it piles up three days. It's six hours of marking to catch up on that. It's intense. And he says, but you know what? We don't have kids yet. Then it's going to get even busier. And he said to me, a few years ago, we used to talk about how busy we are and how little time we had for each other. And you know what? We had a lot more time than we have now. So he was just saying, imagine over time how little time we're going to have for each other. And he pulled out his cell phone and he said, and you know what? We spend way too much time on these things. So I did some research this week. And the statistics say that the average person today is spending two and a half hours on their phone every single day. Two and a half hours. They can go up to 3.46 hours for the people who spend more time on their phones. Maybe you're over four. Maybe you're like a real anomaly. But there's a great app you can download if you want. It's called Moment. It'll tell you the truth about your cell phone usage, and it'll help you to know which percentage you're in if you dare to try it out. Two and a half hours a day in the busyness of life on our phones, not phone calls, just doing stuff online, social media, research, whatever else, reading stuff online. And then we go home, and every now and then we binge watch TV for a few hours, just watch a whole lot of series. We're super busy, and then we fill up our free time with things that are fun, that are entertaining, but at times can be a waste of our lives and the important time that we've got. And I'm in that boat, you know, I love those things. But are we doing this entertainment thing in moderation, or is it becoming an unhelpful distraction for us in our lives? We need to be able to answer that question. I was thinking to myself, this is where the pie chart comes up, if you can put it up. If Redpoint sponsored a team of researchers to follow you around for six months, and they would just watch every second of every day what you did, and they tracked it meticulous to the detail, and they put some pie chart together of how you spent your time, what would your life look like, you know? We've got some big chunks there, we've got some really small chunks. Of course, there's sleeping, and there's work, and there's chores, and there's eating, which is going to take up a lot of time. But what about the smaller chunks? Like where would you, uh, or what would fill up your time? What would those chunks be? And I thought to myself, at the end of 2017, that'll come in a little bit, Rowan. At the end of 2017, it would be really, really sad if at the end of another busy year, we'd spent our time on things that don't matter. Or at the end of our lives, we get to the end of our lives and we realize some of those chunks that have taken up so much time in the busyness of life actually have meant nothing to us and we've wasted our time. I thought it would be so interesting to look at that pie chart and think to ourselves, are the ways, the segments of that pie chart, not the Bible project slide, (laughs) are those segments reflective of the priorities of my heart and the priorities of God? Is that the way I'm called to spend my time? So what are your priorities this year? What is it that God is calling you to focus on 
in 2017. One pastor named Kevin DeYoung, in a really helpful book called Crazy Busy, says this, Jesus didn't do it all. Jesus didn't meet every need. He left people waiting in line to be healed. He left one town to preach to another. He hid away to pray. He got tired. He never interacted with the vast majority of people on the planet. He spent 30 years in training and only three years in ministry. He did not try to do it all, and yet he did everything God asked him to do. Isn't that profound? Singing, what is it God is calling you to focus on and give your life to in 2017? And with that, what are the things that you need to say no to this year so that you can say yes to the things God has called you to? And what are the things you need to say no to this year? Because they're distracting you from devotion to God. How would you answer those questions? Getting back to Luke chapter 10, we see Martha prioritizing doing stuff for Jesus over spending time with Jesus. And the honest truth is that Martha actually isn't doing what she's doing for Jesus. She's not. Martha's doing what she's doing for herself. And I can imagine at the end of that meal situation, just before, um, I guess they kind of wrapped up the day, she would have loved it if Jesus had just called her to the front and said, sorry guys, I don't know if you've noticed while you've been sitting there listening to everything I've said, while you've been asking your questions, but there's been a woman buzzing around this house and she's been doing all sorts of things, cooking meals, taking care of everything so you don't have to. Can we give her a round of applause? Can we pray for her? Martha would have loved that. And that's not a bad thing to do. That's a wonderful thing to do to honor people. But Martha's not doing this for Jesus, she's doing it for herself, and we know that because of the way she responds. Martha does not respond well in this situation to the way things are going and to the way that she's treated. We see here that she gets angry at Jesus. Martha is so busy with what is going on that her busyness becomes a distraction for her to spend time with God. And I'm sure every single one of us in this room can say that. You know, in the busyness of life, we stopped praying. In the busyness of life, we stopped going to life group. In the busyness of life, we stopped coming to church. In the busyness of life, we stopped obeying what God was calling us to do. I'm sure if I did the hand raise thing again, we've all got to raise our hands to that for some part of our life at least, you know. But Martha isn't just too busy to pray and do all of these things. Martha is angry about the situation she's in. She's angry about her busyness. She's angry about the way she finds herself in her own home serving Jesus. And in Luke 10 verse 40, it describes it like this. She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And we see this woman so excited about having Jesus in her home and hosting him is now angry and bossing Jesus around. I think those two things when it comes to Jesus are not ideal if you're in that kind of situation. And she even challenges Jesus's compassion. Now we're talking about the creator of heaven and earth, the God who is love, the one who would die on the cross for the sins of the world, showing his love and commitment for us. And she says, don't you even care? Can you not see what's going on, how busy I've been, how I've been running around? Do you not care about me, Jesus? Do you not care about the situation I'm in? And she's actually angry at God because her sister is spending time sitting at his feet, learning and listening. So I just say for all of us here today, if you ever get to that place that you see someone worshiping or praying or spending time with God and you get angry at God over that, there's something wrong in your own heart. You need God to do some business inside of you. And we get challenged by this passage because I think the reality is I have had a Martha moment like this. And I'm sure many people in this room, we've had Martha moments like this where we've gone to God angry. 
We've been stressed. We've been busy. We've been anxious. We've got too much on our plate. We're not coping with what's going on. And we go to God and say, God, do you not care? Don't you care about me? Don't you know what's going on? Why are you not answering my prayers? Why are you not helping me out? You can see all that's going on. Maybe that's the place you find yourself in today. Or maybe beyond that, after we have that feeling inside, we look at someone else's life and we think, God, you know all that I'm going through and they get to experience that. They get all this time with you. They get to go on that holiday. They got blessed in that way. Why don't you bless me, but you've blessed them so much? Come on, God. Where are you? Don't you care about me? I'm sure all of us have had a Martha moment like that. And I know in those moments where I've gone to God angry and stressed and tired or frazzled about what's going on in life, God has said the same thing to me that he said to Martha in that moment. Martha, Martha, or grant, grant, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. So reading a commentary about that section, and the guy who was writing just said, it's very rare in the Bible for a name to be repeated. Martha, Martha, grant, grant, your name. But when that happens, it actually symbolizes like magnitude. This is important. This person is highly valued. It's a symbol of compassion. Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha. And the commentator said, really in the Bible is a name repeated, like Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's rare in the scriptures for a name to be repeated without the person repeating it, having tears in their eyes. And he was saying, in this situation, where Martha comes to Jesus angry and bossy and hurt and worried about God's care for her, Jesus would have responded with tears in his eyes, with great compassion for her. He said, Martha, Martha, I love you. I care about you. But it gives her a strong word and a challenge which gives life to her because things need to change in her heart and her situation. Jesus says to her, one thing is necessary. I want to ask each one of us in this room today, how are you doing at the one thing? How are you doing at the one thing that Jesus says is necessary? Because spending time with Jesus, being with Him, praying, worshiping Him, enjoying Him, isn't going to make our lives less busy, but it is going to make our hearts less busy. I think that's what a lot of us need, is the peace of God to come on our hearts, to fill us, to bring peace, to bring calm in the storms that are going on inside of us. One thing is necessary in this busy world. And I think for some of us here, we know the realities of the busyness of life. Life is busy, there's huge demands, there's huge stresses, there's huge pressures, big ones that are facing us. There's many things in our lives that are louder than Jesus, maybe more in our face than Jesus, maybe more uh, demanding than Jesus is of us. There's many things in our lives that fill our thoughts and take up our time. But Jesus is saying in the midst of all of that, because 2017 won't be any different to 2016. In the midst of all of that, one thing is necessary for us to do. And that's for us to look at our calendars and to block out some time alone, away from distractions, where we can just be with him. Like Mary can sit at his feet, can enjoy his presence, can listen to his teaching, can hear his words. What is it you want from or for me, from me, Lord? Then we can go out from that place and do it. There's many important things, but that is the one thing that Jesus says is necessary. And probably for all of us in this room, we think we're too busy, but actually we're too busy not to pray. We need to get alone with Him. 
Now, before I go on to some practical things to do with devotion, I just want to do a brief aside, like a little segue. I just tap something else on, which I think is so important. One of the scriptures I've really loved this year is Matthew 7, verse 24. This is from the NIV translation. It says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And Jesus is speaking here about the foundation that we build our lives on, which is him. Him and his teaching, that's what we want to build our lives on. And he says here something a little bit challenging. I mean, I don't know if this is PC to say, but he says it's wise for us to listen to the things that he said and to go away and to put them into practice in our lives, to apply them. But it's foolish for us just to hear what Jesus is saying and to ignore them or forget them or not do anything about these teachings and commandments and challenges of him. Now, I want to be a wise man. I'm 30 years old. Some people have called me wise, not a lot, but I do pray nearly every single day, and I say, God, I want to be wise. I want wisdom. I want knowledge. I want insight, and I want understanding, because the book of Proverbs tells us to pray that prayer, and I want those things to be real for myself. Wisdom, knowledge, insight, understanding. I want those for myself, and I think for us, there's a wisdom that comes in hearing Jesus' word and putting it into practice. Now, there is a reality that there's a gap between our lives and what Jesus calls us to do. There's a gap. For some of us, it's big. For some of us, it's a bit smaller. But this year, it would be so good if we shrunk that gap. We heard Jesus' teachings, and we started to say, okay, Lord, I hear that. You're speaking to me. I want to put this into practice in our lives. And for some of us, at the end of 2016, that gap was wide. There were a lot of things Jesus was speaking to us about, his words, his commands, and we'd begun to ignore those things. We weren't putting them into practice. So I don't know what that means for you, but at the start of the year, you're probably dealing with those things already. Maybe last year Jesus was speaking to you about your time and money, how you stewarded the things that God had given you, and actually you didn't put what he was saying to you into practice. Or maybe it was sexuality. You know, you knew what Jesus said about sex and partnership and all of those things, but you didn't listen. You did your own thing. That gap was wide between Jesus' teaching and your life. Or maybe it was in decision-making. Last year, you made a lot of decisions that you knew were not the decisions Jesus wanted for your life, but you made them anyway. That gap was wide. I don't know what those things are, but as 2016 comes to an end and as we start a new year, Jesus says it's foolish for us to hear the things he's saying to us and not do something about it. But it's so wise that as he speaks to us, we hear those things and say, how can I put this into practice in my life? So for us, nearly everyone raised their hands saying, I've been busy, anxious, stressed, troubled by many things, all of that. For us, in the busyness of 2017, it would be foolish for us to not hear that Jesus says one thing is necessary and to go away from here and think, okay, what am I going to do differently? I'd love to encourage you this afternoon, so it doesn't get to Wednesday or Thursday or a month from now, and we haven't done this, this afternoon, to take your Bible to take your calendar, whether you've got like a book calendar or it's on your phone, whatever, and put those in front of you. Maybe hold them in your hands up to God and say, God, would you lead me in 2017 and how to give my life and my time to you? And then to block out time in your calendar that actually this is time for me to sit at Jesus' feet and be with him and hear from him and let him shape me and lead me. I heard this amazing quote by a guy named Bob Goff. He says, the battle for our hearts are fought on the pages of our calendars. The battle for our hearts are fought on the pages of our calendars. And I think today as we sit down with Bible and calendar in hand and make some decisions about what God calls us to in 2017, 
actually we can make some decisions which reshape the rest of our lives, which reshape our futures, which reshape our relationships, which reshape our spirituality, our knowledge of Jesus. I think it would be really, really important for us to spend some time in that. So my second point is devotion. As a church, we've said we want to fight for a culture of knowing God. So that means we're big on prayer. We're big on the scriptures. We're big on worship. We're big on doing the weird thing of going into your room alone, closing the door, turning your phone off, putting it face down so you can't see when messages pop up. And just in silence, or for some of you, I know you like to get a little bit louder, a little bit noisier and rowdier in prayer, just to be with God and to hear from God and to enjoy God. That is one of the cultures we want to fight for in this church. Something I want to ask every one of us to fight for. And we see this situation with Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And we think that's what we want to do. I love to sit down and pray. I love to just sit and close my eyes and ask God to speak to me. But beyond that, when Mary sits at Jesus' feet in this lounge, she's not just sitting there listening and relaxing. She's also submitting herself to his authority and his word. And I thought that's such a big thing for us. Tomorrow morning, as we do this, as we get up early to spend time with him, as God speaks to us through his word or by his Holy Spirit, that actually we'd say, okay, I'm going to leave here and put that into practice today. I'm going to live out the things God is calling me to do. And I wanted to say, can we encourage each other in this? This is not like a, a devotional please, quiet time please. Like, when did you last pray? When did you last read your Bible? That is not my heart behind this. So if someone does that to you, crush their siren and don't listen to them. But it would be so good for us to encourage each other this week to send a message to, while you're chatting to your friend, to say, how's it going? What's God saying? How's it been putting this stuff into practice? Uh, what are you reading in the Bible? You know, to talk about those things. I think there was a period a while ago in Durban where it got weird. It was too spiritual to bring those things up. I think it's robbed us. It would be so good for us to talk about our times with God and our times hearing from Him and what He's saying and to encourage, which means to put courage into one another to seek God in prayer and in the quiet space alone. Actually, that we would do this. We would encourage one another. Because none of us in this room are going to accidentally stumble into this new habit of time alone with God this year. It needs to be something we prioritize and we fight for. So can I get a little bit practical and give us five ways to live this out in 2017? Firstly, start and end the day in prayer. If I'm honest, I started and ended the day in 2016 on my phone. So I would wake up in the morning, and the first thing I'd do is roll over, and I would check the time on my phone, because that's what I really need to do. But then I would go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, News24, and repeat. Especially at night, you just do the repeat, and then Wikipedia, and you get into all these spirals of all sorts of things. But this year, what I want to do, maybe I need to check the time first, but I want to just spend a little bit of time, whether it's 30 seconds, 2 minutes, 5 minutes in bed, before I get up, just dedicating the day to God. God, this day is yours. I am yours. What do you want from me? Would you fill me, Holy Spirit? Asking God maybe at the end of the day to forgive us for some of our sins and some of the things that we shouldn't have done or said. Maybe we need to send a text or two to someone before the end of the day to make peace for something we might have done. But to begin and end the day in prayer rather than on my phone. And then I'm hoping what will happen through that is I'll become the kind of person that my mind starts to wander to Jesus throughout the day. I think that would be so good. And I find myself doing that more and more as the day goes on. In Psalm 92, verse 1 and 2, it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. I think it would be so good to bookend our mornings and evenings alone with Him. Secondly, 
why don't you schedule in your calendar a daily or regular devotional time? Now, I know I've said that already, but Shell said to me, Grant, not everyone is like you. Not everyone is so, read anal, so ADD, so type A, so like focused and like irritating, you know? Not everyone's like that. Some of you are spontaneous and you're like, Grant, we're not going to put it in our calendar. We're just going to let it happen, you know? Well, if you can do that, that's amazing. But I find for most of us in the busyness of life, unless that is in our calendar, it's not going to happen. I just want to ask you to fight with me to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his teaching. Thirdly, for some of you, you want to read the Bible more this year. Some of you have read the Bible through many times, and that's amazing. Some of you are just starting out on the Bible and maybe don't even know where to start. I want to encourage you to maybe do a Bible reading plan this year. So the first thing up is the Bible Project, which we've seen much of already this morning. It's been a, a wonderful part of our morning already. But the Bible Project, or jointhebibleproject.com, is an amazing website with videos, Bible reading plans. It's got all sorts of things that you can read and download for yourself. It's a really, really helpful website with a video on every single book of the Bible between 5 and 11 minutes explaining what it's about. It's a great website to get on. But I thought for some of you, maybe to do a, a one-year Bible reading plan, to commit to 365 days reading through the whole Bible is like a little bit too much. You're like, Grant, maybe I can do a week or two. I want to show you, some of you would know about Version. If you don't, this is a free Bible app that you can download on your phone. I'm sure many of us have this already. And I went on just to double check this today. They've got a whole bunch of free reading plans. So I looked at one this morning, Wisdom for Life out of the book of Proverbs. It's a four-day reading plan. If you can't start at a four-day reading plan, I mean, I don't know what your capacity is at. I looked at that. I thought, that is great. Then I looked at one which I was judging. It said, Epic Fails of the Bible. And I thought, that is very, very lame. But I opened it, and it was a Bible reading plan through the failures of men and women in the Scripture and how God had met them in His grace. And I thought, okay, the name is a bit cheesy, but it sounds great. 14 days, two weeks looking at those stories. And there's a whole ton of them. Maybe for you, you're going through a, a tough period of suffering, and there's a Bible reading plan you can there. But it's a few days, something you can commit to to get you started in the Bible. And there's one more website that I haven't put on here, but BibleInOneYear.com uh, is a really great site if you do want to go through the whole Bible. Those things will all be on social media, on Facebook at like one or two today, and I'll put those in the weekly update for you just to be able to find those links to get more involved there. But I want to encourage you in your reading of the Bible. Fourthly, prayer journaling. Now, some of you write out your prayers, which is not something I enjoy doing. I do it occasionally, and it's great, but if that's for you, wonderful. But I've started a book this year. This is my little prayer journal, and I'm just writing down lists of things I want to pray for. And the reason I'm doing that is because last year I realized God answers a ton of my prayers, and I don't realize. You know, I, I pray some, about something once or twice or three times, and it happens, and I never thank God, or I never realize that God has heard my prayer and answered it. And that's something I want to celebrate more this year. So I've done that. I've written down lists of things that I'm praying into. One, so that I pray through them regularly, but two, so that I can cross them off and say, God has answered my prayer. And secondly, it's because I do want to pray less selfishly, and I don't just want to pray for myself, which I think probably many of us can do too. And lastly, what about doing a yearly self-audit? Now, this is my nerdy thing. So I, I've been writing for 10 years now, at the beginning or the end of a year, starting in about November, saying, God, what are you saying to me for the new year? And I start to write down scriptures and prayers and things I believe that God is highlighting for me, for Michelle, for our family, for this church, maybe for you, for the business you're a part of, for the year that is to come. And then probably a year later in November, 
uh, kind of do an audit of the year. What has happened? What have the highlights and lowlights been? What has God done? What has He answered? How have the things that He spoke to me about a year before been realized in my life? So I've done that for 10 years now, 2007 to 2017. And it's been amazing because every year I read through 10 years of what God has done. And I've seen God's faithfulness. And I've seen this thread of God leading me and speaking to me and working through my life. And it has encouraged me so much in my faith. One, that I'm hearing from God, which is an amazing thing. And two, that God is leading me and at work in me. So maybe those can help you. You don't have to do all of those. It's not being prescriptive. But maybe those can be tools for you this year to start to use to sit at Jesus' feet quietly. I want to end with one more short point. This passage in Luke is amazing about distraction and about devotion, but it's also amazing about God's grace. I think one of the things I saw in this passage is that Mary is the person who sits at Jesus' feet and spends the afternoon with him and hears from him and has her questions answered, and she gets what she's after. She gets more of Jesus. And Martha is the one who is distracted and anxious and busy. And she's the one who really wants something from Jesus. She doesn't really want Jesus for herself. And what I notice in the story is that Jesus shows up where she is at. And he shows her what she really needs, even in this place of her distraction. And I thought for some of us, in our brokenness and in our sin and in our busyness, in all that is going on, just like with Martha, Jesus wants to show up and speak to you. You know, we never actually hear what Jesus said to Mary, but we hear the life-changing word that Jesus speaks to Martha. She gets a word even though she wasn't necessarily after one. And I thought to myself that this busy, angry, bossy, type A person who tells Jesus what to do has this encounter with Jesus that changes her life forever. It's a challenging word, but it's a word of life to her. And she realizes, I have been distracted from him and separated from him. And today I thought for some of us, like obviously there's the reality that we want to leave here and spend time with Jesus and pray. If you haven't gotten that by now, I don't know how you've missed that. I've tried to make that one clear, you know. But for some of us, I think beyond just that, I think God is speaking to us about giving our whole lives over to him. And for some of you who walked in here today, you, you weren't a follower of Jesus, but today you know God is drawing you to himself and he wants you to begin to follow him. And he's saying, give your whole life over to me. And I thought of Jesus chasing after Martha. Martha's busy. Martha is running in her life. So Jesus has to chase after her and catch up to her. And it's like he pats her on the shoulder and gets her attention and the busyness of all that's going on and says, Martha, your priorities are wrong. One thing is necessary. Don't forget about me. And she sees her separation from him. I think for some of us, we need to see that separation today and realize that we can come back to the God who is calling us to himself. And in this passage, it's like Jesus reaches out to Martha and he's reaching out to some of us today with those same hands that were nail-pierced for us on the cross. The Jesus who died for our sins is the Jesus who reaches out to us to reconcile us to God. And I just thought today, we're gonna respond in worship in a second, but there's an opportunity for us to reconnect with God at the beginning of the year and for some of us to begin the journey of following Jesus. Maybe last year you were a part of this church and you've heard a lot of things said and you've explored the faith. But today you realize, actually, Jesus is calling me and I need to follow him and I need to give everything over to him. Maybe today's that day for you. Can we stand together?
I want to pray for three things briefly, then we'll worship and we'll close. But I want to pray for 2017, that God would bless this year, that He would bless our lives. I want to pray for those of us who need help in the busyness and craziness of what's going on. And I want to pray for those of you who need salvation. You need Jesus. You want to begin to follow Him. So can we close our eyes together and just respond to God personally? Lord, I pray as we start this year today that you have set something of a priority for our lives and our future. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit, and we ask that you would put to death in us the things that need to die and go, and you would empower us to live out and do the things that you're calling us to do. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our lives and our marriages and our singleness and our work and our futures in 2017. I pray for those of us who are so busy and distracted and troubled. I pray you would give us peace, even now. I pray you would lift burdens off of us. I pray you'd amaze us at your grace. That you'd fill us with your love. You'd comfort us. You'd wash us clean. Lord, even, even when this has been a hard year, Lord, would you settle our hearts and our souls and our minds. And I pray for those today who want to begin the journey of following you, who can hear your call. That actually, Lord, you would wash clean the slate of 2016 in the past of sins that they've committed and done, of guilt and shame they're carrying. Wash us clean, Lord God. Wash us clean. Lift burdens off of us, we pray. And even now, Lord, we just want to meet with you as a church. We want to do the merry thing and sit at your feet and hear from you. I pray you commission some of us and direct some of us. Show some of us what to say no to in 2017 and what to say yes to. I pray, take us by the hand, Lord, and lead us. Lead us, we pray. Take up my cross 